it's sort of like holding, you know, picture holding two things, you know, one in each hand. One is the actual reality, the chronological reality. Okay, there's 50, I have 15 to 20 good years left. That's not much time. And then on the other hand, this complete sense of unreality about it. Like, well, okay, I know I just said that, but actually I'm not really doing a whole lot of things differently. Um, it's, it's like I can't even believe, it's hard for me to believe, to really believe in my own reality. I guess the word is mortality. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and so it's almost like, you know, I want to sort of slap myself and say, look, Debbie, you know, this is not pretend. This is, this is real. And yet you're pretending, you know, you're, you're, it's really hard to get your brain around your own mortality. I'm Debbie Weil, and this is the Gap Year Podcast, where we talk about making the most of the collective gap year we've all been living through. Today's episode is a little different. It's the last episode of season three, and what a year it's been, and it's still not over. But that's not what this episode is about. Today, I turn the mic over to my producer, Julie Roxanne, so she can interview me, and she really goes at it. JR prods me to reflect deeply about what it's like to be turning 70, what my thoughts are on mortality, and what my priorities are for the decades, well, two decades, to come. She gets me to reveal some pretty ambivalent feelings about aging and getting older. If you've been listening for a while, you know that one of the broad topics of the podcast is how to age with wisdom and grace. So the dirty secret is out. I'm not doing it yet. Aging wisely is still aspirational for me. I'm still working on a more positive state of mind and a more intentional way of living. I've got a lot to learn, and I hope you'll explore some of these issues with me and with experts and authors and inspiring individuals in season four coming this fall. But for today, let's turn the mic over to JR. Hi, Debbie. Welcome to the Gap Year podcast. Thank you, JR. This is a thrill. <laughs> I'm sure that must be something to be interviewed on your own podcast. How does it feel? So far, I'm pretty nervous. Because <laughs> <laughs> you don't really know what I'm going to Well, you have a sense of what I'm going to ask you, but not a ton. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Julie Roxanne. I will be referred to as JR on this conversation, and I am the producer of this show. Uh, Debbie and I have been working together for over three years at this point, and it's uh, it's been a journey, and I felt this was a good way to end the season, because we've never heard about Debbie. She always asks the question to other people, so I thought this was a good time, especially because you're turning 70 at the end of the year, and I know that's a big theme for you. Um, I'm wondering, how does it feel? to be uh, saying goodbye to your 60s and entering your uh, 70s? Well, it's I, I almost can't even say it. It feels very weird. It feels kind of uncomfortable, kind of even distasteful, if I can use that word. Um, I remember the year leading up to, because my birthday is in December, so I have a whole year to get excited about mm -hmm. the next birthday. And I remember the year leading up to age 65. And I thought that was such a big deal, you know, because 65 is this life marker. 
um, or it has been, you know, traditionally. Yeah. And all of a sudden, in a blink of an eye, and despite the pandemic and because of the pandemic, this year it's 70 in December. So I'm really having, so far, it's feeling strange and kind of uncomfortable. What do you think that is? You use the term distasteful, and I'm kind of curious, like, what, why, what's behind that? Do you know? Well, I'm embarrassed to say that despite uh, the theme of this podcast, which is, you know, making the most of aging and aging with wisdom and aging well, that like so many other people, I don't look on old age very positively. I looked mm. at it, I look at it kind of negatively. So kind of with, I guess, with the distaste as in, oh, you know, so th this is my own ageism. Yeah. It's completely ageism. Whereas me thinking old people are, I don't know, less than, they're weak, they're less powerful, um, physically, you know, they're different, they're shrunken, they're wrinkly, whatever. And I mean, it, it's, I guess I'm just being totally honest. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not the right attitude for someone who has a podcast on this positive theme about aging. Well, and I mean, it's, I think it's, my sense is it's pretty natural. It's not like we live in a society that upholds our elders like they're these uh, really important members of society. Usually they're shuttled off to a retirement home and no one wants to deal with them because they smell like old people and they can't do anything <laughs> to produce for society. Uh, but I get the feeling that this is partly why you started the podcast. It's, it's more in recent seasons that you've really turn to it as, you know, aging gracefully and with wisdom and what does that mean? And it's almost you're searching for that answer for yourself. Would you say that's correct? I am. And being sort of cowardly, um, it's easier to be on the other side of the microphone <laughs> asking people like Stephen Petrow, whom you just will have heard. Yeah. Um, you know, what his thoughts are mm -hmm. on, on aging and, and how to do it more or, or Chip Conley with the modern elder Academy, you know, how to, uh, and they're all about a very positive view of aging and this, this latter or last, if you will, mm -hmm. stage of your life. So, right. It's, it's, um, it's both personal, but also, I guess the word is professional and that I'm trying to turn it into a, a topic that I can really dig into, you know, with other people and unpack in a way that's um, palatable, that you can sort of digest, you know, little bit by little bit. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And it, it, I mean, I think the best uh, professional endeavors come from a personal desire to, you know, connect the dots for yourself or because if you have these questions, I think we all have these questions about what it means to age and, and what the last few decades of life are supposed to look like. And you and I spend a lot of time talking about how much good time is left. Like, and I say good time with quotes because I'm actually curious, what does good time mean? Mm. Um, well, this is a, a recent sort of mental calculation I've made. Um, I'm about to turn 70 or about six more months. Okay. Six more months, JR. Yeah. yeah. Don't rush. It. Um, yeah. We're not going to rush, but, <laughs> uh, but my parents are still alive and they both just turned 90. And so a little quick math there, you know, that's only 20 years off. Mm -hmm. 
and was just visiting with them recently um, down in D.C. And they're getting older. I mean, 90 is nothing to trifle with. 90 is, it's tough. Mm. I mean, there's, they're coping like anyone else, you know, it's mental decline, physical decline. It's harder to get around. Um, I mean, it's just very, you can't get around it. I mean, this idea that we're all going to live to a hundred and it's going to be so great is frankly, I don't think realistic at all Mm. because it looks like around age 20, things start to disintegrate. So I do this math and I think, okay, you know, I have 20 years left. Okay, well, maybe I have 15 years left. You know, what do I want to do? You know, what, so how do I make those, you know, good years? And what are all the things I want to accomplish? And what should be on my bucket list and Mm. in terms of priorities? And I just have a hard time just sort of sitting back and saying, oh, this is great. You know, I guess I'm retirement age. I hate the word retirement. Mm -hmm. I can just sit down and kind of let it wash over me. I I don't feel I can do that. I guess one question, one thing that comes to mind when you say this is when you know you only have X amount of time left, regardless of how much it is, right? But the closer you get to the finish line, the more you're able to say, okay, there's not that much left comparatively to what's ha- what has happened. I'm sure that um, reshuffles priorities quite a bit. And so I'm wondering, in your case, when you're staring at those hypothetical 15 more good years where, you know, I'm assuming good time means still in possession of your full capacity or at least, you know, not mentally declining, not physically declining too much. Um, what what seems the most important? What, what do you want to use that time for? Well, that's what's so interesting is it's sort of like holding, you know, picture holding two things, you know, one in each hand. One is the actual reality, the chronological reality. Okay, there's 15, I have 15 to 20 year, good years left. That's not much time. Wow. I mean, the last uh, eight years, almost a decade have flown by, you know, mm-hmm. since since we left D.C. And then on the other hand, this complete sense of unreality about it. Like, well, okay, I know I just said that, but actually... I'm not really doing a whole lot of things differently. Um, it's it's like I can't even believe, it's hard for me to believe, to really believe in my own reality. I guess the word is mortality. <laughs> yeah. And so it's almost like, you know, I want to sort of slap myself and say, look, Debbie, you know, this is not pretend. This is, this is real. And yet you're pretending, you know, you're, you're, it's very hard to get your brain around your own, mortality, even if, as you know, that the years go faster and faster as you get older. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if I explained that. I think you right. did. I'm just wondering, um, where do you think that's, because I think this is an experience that a lot of people have. Um, I think m- my sense is that this stems from a culture that is very uh, in the mind and in the productivity, which, you know, there's really good things about that. And and also it's very hard for us to be in our bodies. And so a lot of times there's sort of a dissociation between what we see in the mirror and, and how, you know, and, and, and the age or what it's supposed to mean. And I'm just curious, why do you think, why do you think that is in your case? Why do you think you have such a hard time um, kind of marrying those two realities of how you feel, but also the, you know, the reality of your age? Do you think it's like a, a, a mechanism to not, look at it or do you think it's a way to 
I don't know, stay active, not, not kind of give in. I, yeah. Mm. What do you think? I actually think it is a mechanism of avoidance. I mean, death is just so hard to, it's, uh, it's just a topic that's so hard. I mean, in America, it's just not something we want to wrap our heads around yeah. or, you know, be aware of. And you have to get sort of like, you've got to get sort of pinpricked all the time to remember. So here in this little village where I live and on the coast of Maine, um, there's a lovely couple down the street and uh, she, I just got an email from her husband and she was in her, maybe her mid sixties and she died mm. a couple of days ago. Now she had had cancer. We all knew that, but she was one of these really energetic, positive people. And so even a few months ago, maybe it was six months ago, you know, I'd see her sort of hoofing it up and down the hill, you know, taking a walk near my house. And she was, you know, she wasn't thinking about it. So kind of, we weren't thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So I get, I think it's, why do I do that? I think it's uh, avoiding the, avoiding the reality. And then I, I, but also I think what you said about being in your body, Mm -hmm. I mean, I've gotten much more interested in meditating, for example, um, which does make you feel calmer and able to cope. Mm -hmm. But I think it also, does put you in your body. I mean, it's this idea of sort of becoming whole or becoming one with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's just not, it's not easy for me. I'm a, I'm a avoider, you know, whereas Sam, my husband, Sam talks all the time about, uh, you know, death as if it's around the corner and it's going to be great and he's going to embrace the idea of it. And I'm thinking, no, yeah, <laughs> I do I'm not ready to do that. But I haven't answered your question fully because I think I don't have a perfect answer. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a messy topic. And I really am appreciative of you bring, bringing the, the, the idea of mortality and, and death. And I think, uh, again, you, you're, this is something that, that we do, I think. And the, the closer we get to it, the less we want to wa- watch what's about to happen. I think I'm, I'm curious, like, what's your relationship to death but not just for yourself but also for your parents because as you said you both your parents are still alive and i think that probably probably something might actually shift quite a bit when you lose one or both of your parents in terms of you you might i don't know what's your relationship to death that's a really complicated question but um we know but that's interesting you ask about my parents because many many people my age do not have their parents and i've these are close friends and I've talked to them and they said something does shift. Mm. So I think in my case, um, it will. I mean, I certainly feel like I'm ready. I mean, they've both lived very long, full lives, but of course you're never ready. So it will be sad. Um, They're both quite remarkable people and I think I will be sad, but you know, looking at it now, I feel like, well, okay, I could accept it, but you know, you really don't know how you're going to feel. So what, so I guess we should maybe move on to a happier topic, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I, you know how you know me. I love to talk about death, but yes, we can move on to a, a, a easier topic if you'd like. Um, I, <laughs> I, you talk about um, productivity and and you know like this idea of how much good time is left and what I want to focus on. And again, I want to bring it back to. I think I asked you that question earlier, but I'm I'm not sure I got like a clear answer of 
what do you what do you want to focus on right now as you're shifting into this new decade which is always in my mind a, a, an opportunity to restart and i think we do restart in some ways kind of organically without even meaning to sometimes um what feels important to you what do you want to dedicate your energy the energy that you have right now um what do you want to dedicate it to well i actually feel pretty clear about that which is i want to continue the uh, creative things I'm doing. And I include the podcast at the top of that list. Mm -hmm. I'm also still doing nonfiction book coaching, which is actually something I do. It's, it's work. I mean, I get paid, mm -hmm. but it's very, very creative. Um, that's sort of on one side of things. And then the other side of things really probably has to do more with family and friends and, you know, trying to repair family relationships that are, maybe not what I would like them to be and realizing there's a limited amount of time mm. to do that. Um, and then friends um, is, you know, making, you know, keeping strong connections, even if it's not a huge group of friends. And I guess that sort of bleeds into community. I mean, now that we've adopted this small community in Maine, I think um, I feel very committed to doing some volunteer work with the nonprofits and, um, contributing some in some way to the community, you know, feeling like I'm making a difference. And if it can overlap with a creative pursuit, like the women's storytelling event that I started, um, that's sort of something I just love to do. And it also is good for the community. Then that's, you know, that's sort of, that's the best. Yeah. That's the best of all worlds. So what have I said, you know, creative pursuits, a little bit of paid work because I really do like to, get paid and make money, um, family, uh, and then, of course, grandchildren. Mm. Uh, and then, I guess, really actually being more conscious of my body, if you will, and, you know, taking better care of it, mm. you know, eating better, um, exercising more. Um, uh, I think I've always taken that for granted, and it really sort of has risen higher on my list as something a daily priority, which is probably a good thing because that's how to stay healthy longer. Mm -hmm. uh, so I haven't said, I haven't really mentioned any climbing any mountains or any I guess, sort of... Yeah, do you have any, do you have any like bucket lists? Like those are, those are kind of buckets where you want to allocate your energy. I'm just curious, like, do you have something travel or, or, you know, experience, is there something that you know you want to do and, you know, before it's quote too late? Well, I have a couple of things and I never, they haven't really progressed. One of them is to spend more time in France mm. and really become, you know, either fluent or semi-fluent in French. And that's possible if we made a plan. Uh, travel, yes, but I'm a little less sort of anxious about that. I mean, there's places I still want to go, Australia, New Zealand, Japan, Scandinavia, but I guess because of the pandemic, I'm a little more relaxed about, yeah, sure, I'll you know, get to that, but it's not the most important thing. Um, bungee jumping at all? No bungee jumping. I, a musical instrument. I mean, I took up the ukulele very briefly a year ago, and then I didn't really stick with it, and it just gave me so much pleasure so you know learning to play the piano for example but all these are things that y you can't you know you can't accomplish them unless you 
locks them into your daily mm. schedule. You know, you find the teacher and you practice every day. And so I'm feeling a little embarrassed. I mean, these are sort of things out there, you know, they're kind of maybe spilling out of the buckets, but I haven't, uh, I mean, I'll use the pandemic as an excuse. I haven't made firm plans right yeah. now about them. I'm curious, um, how is it? I know Sam a little bit, and we've had the pleasure of him coming on the podcast quite quite a few times. And how different are you on this point? Sometimes I feel like Sam is a lot more relaxed and a lot more kind of happy to go with a little quainter. And you seem to have a lot more energy and desire for creativity and doing things and learning. Is that true, or is it just is it just the way that it comes off? But that's not the reality. You know, I'm not sure because there's some days when Sam says to me, oh, I'm just so busy. You know, I'm, I'm busy uh, uh, cooking and shopping and um, chopping wood. I'm going to go for a bike ride and I'm going to do some reading. And then I'll say to him, well, wait a minute. What about your book project? And he'll say, well, you know, I just it just keeps getting pushed out of the way. And he doesn't seem terribly anxious about it. Uh, but I really don't want to speak for him because I think he hasn't given up on it entirely. But he does sometimes seem more content to uh, enjoy the, you know, the day-to-day. -day. I mean, there's just so many things you kind of need to do day-to-day. -day. Yeah. Um, so I guess maybe the answer is he's not quite as driven. I have just felt driven to produce the podcast, you know, with you and publish every other week. And as you know, sometimes every week. And that's a, that's a real commitment. Mm -hmm. um, and I think he's, I feel like he sort of watches me from afar and I don't know, doesn't say much. So he's still a little bit of a mystery to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love that because you guys have been married for what, 48 years? Is that, is that right? It's, it's 48 years. And we decided that we were celebrating our, our 50th um, uh, falling in love anniversary this past January because oh, we just kind of met in, in January of 1971. Yeah, so you'd think after that many years that, you know, one, th that we'd know everything about each other, but I still find him quite mysterious. He's very different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's a great answer. And I think that's something to aspire to after 50 years of being in love. Uh, to still have some mystery. That's amazing. Um, I am curious about around this, the topics and the productivity, the things you want to do, the things you've mentioned with the creative pursuits um, and maybe, you know, learning an instrument, things like that. How do you see yourself balancing that with, you know, your daily life? As you said, there's things to do every day. And if you want to take care of your body and it takes it takes time every day versus like the long-term goals and, and maybe the pace at which you achieve things. Do you see yourself needing to slow down? I guess a, a different way to ask that question is how should you, how can you measure productivity in your like seventies and maybe in, even into your eighties? Like is, is the way to measure that very different than now? Oh my, I love that question. I have no idea what the answer is. <laughs> Um, uh, and, and I, by the way, I forgot to say something, you know, the one thing that sits there, you know, the elephant in the room is, you know, am I going to write another book? Because that's been on my bucket list for years. Um, and one of the reasons I started the podcast was so that I'd be too busy with the podcast. You know, I can't write a book about gap years or growing older gracefully because mm -hmm. I'm working on the podcast. 
I think that's the, but what you just said about, is it, should you measure or could you measure productivity differently? I hope you could. I mean, I think it's the acceptance of living a little more slowly and in the moment. That's mm-hmm. I'd like to master that. I mean, put that on the bucket list, if you will. And if it, if I really make that an intention, then I think that would be a different way of measuring productivity. Or, And I think the pandemic has helped me and so many other people realize that it can be small things on your daily list. Mm-hmm. And you and then you get to the end of the day and you think, well, you know what, that, that, day, that day was okay. You know, I accomplished this or I accomplished that. And uh, I didn't get annoyed with Sam. I didn't snap at him and, or, you know, whatever it is, something like that. And that adds up to enough. So maybe the question is not how do you redefine productivity, but can, can you redefine, you know, what is enough on a daily basis? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, that's always a tricky question when you have, when you're very driven, right? Because I think when you, when you're younger, you may have more energy to, than, than you do now. I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe that's not how you feel. Maybe you still feel like you have all the energy that you had, you know, 20 years ago, but I'm just curious. Do you? I don't know. I don't think about it very much. I mean, I think probably physically, if I have to really admit it, I don't. Like if I go for a bike ride after five miles, I'm like, okay, that's enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, I mean, um, just in terms of physical endurance, I'd have to admit no. In terms of energy, I don't think it just in general energy getting to the day. I don't think that feels much different. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, um, I think this idea of when is enough or when is it enough? I think that's a, that's a really good question to, you know, just contemplate. I don't think there's ever a definite answer because it, it changes so much to, depending on your, the phases of your life or, um, you know, the big phases of your life, depending on like what decade you're in, but also depending on if it's summer, if it's winter, if you have people coming around, if it, so it's, it's probably an interesting question to contemplate. Um, yeah. I, uh, I want to get into, uh, the next season of the podcast because mm, this is yeah. the season finale. Um, and, and so we're going to be saying goodbye until, uh, until, the fall, um, where, when we're, we'll come back with season four. And I'm just curious, how are you thinking about season four? Cause obviously season three was an interesting sort of interlude with the pandemic, um, and the gap year, the collective gap year. I wonder how you're envisioning season four as, you know, things are reopening kind of more as normal. Um, what does season four look like? Well, I've been thinking about it constantly, and I don't have all the answers. I mean, I've been thinking about going back to a broader theme of, um, well, this gap year, the the gap year theme, if you will, is sort of like a cover for the idea of reinvention. Like, what do you do with a gap year? Mm-hmm. Well, you take a time out, you think differently, you reinvent yourself or what you're doing or where you're living. So that does kind of work. The question is, how do I wrap around that or wrap into it? Or do I want to? 
um, you know, old age. And so at one point uh, recently, I thought of, oh, I, you know, have this sort of snappy idea, this snappy phrase, what, you know, what if I called it the home stretch, mm-hmm. you know, making the most of growing older. And I ran that by someone recently. And he said, hmm, he said, I don't know. He said, you know, the home stretch, when you're in baseball, and you're sliding into home base, it happens really fast. And the point is, it's supposed to happen really fast. Yeah. <laughs> And maybe that's not what you mean. And I thought, mm, yeah, that's a good point. So, um, so I'm still thinking about it. I, I, as usual, I obsess forever about should the podcast have a different name? Uh, does anybody care? Mm. Uh, and also realizing to some extent that I do like the flexibility and the freedom of being able to interview anybody I want about anything I want and sort of make it fit into a, a broader theme. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, you know, writing, writing, for example, words, books, you know, that all interests me. So anytime I want to do that, I'll just do that. So I haven't, I think you and I are supposed to have a, like a separate conversation about this. So are we, are we supposed to figure this out together? I think, I think we can. <laughs> I'm very happy to help. I mean, for the listeners out there, I've been trying to get Debbie to change her podcast to something like Debbie's Corner or, you know, like have the name be very broad <laughs> so that people just come to hang out with Debbie. Cause <laughs> I know that's what I do. Um, so it's, it's, I don't know. I kind of like the home stretch. I understand the criticism, but you know, I kind of like the idea of, what happens when you're in the last, you know, stretch before going home? It's it's kind of a poetic way to think about it. Um, so I don't know. I'm maybe sometimes a little too cheesy. We'll we'll talk about it separately. But it sounds like you you want to focus more. I mean, I've heard you say the podcast is about growing old with with wisdom and aging gracefully. I've heard you say that recently, and I thought that was really good. Well, particularly because I've just admitted at great length to you that I'm not doing that. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, I think... Um, so, so far, so far, I'm having a really hard time doing that. I look in the mirror and I just see the wrinkles and the flabby arms and I just kind of go, ah, mm. uh, and which is my own ageism showing through. So I, I guess it's, as well, I guess this is okay. I mean, it's very aspirational for me, the idea of growing older gracefully yeah and so, i mean i don't know about you but uh i tend to be very wary of people who uh, pro- proclaim to be experts on something especially something as um ungraspable and 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 complex and esoteric as growing old with wisdom and aging gracefully so if you were to come on the show and say i'm an expert on this and this is why i'm going to talk to you about it i would probably <laughs> not listen i don't know I, I think it's actually good to come up and say here are all the ways that i'm not doing this and we're going to try to figure out how we can all do it together um, because I think it's really needed to, to have conversations about that. So I look uh, I look forward to season four. All right, that's good, actually. You've just given me, like as always, when you and I talk, you've just given me an idea. It's all the things that I can't do or, or that I'm wrestling with that maybe I should be looking to that list for topics for for the fall. And I guess I can't call it Debbie's Corner. I no, I'm, j- I'm joking. But, but, but on the other hand, you know, obviously selfishly, yeah, it is kind of Debbie's Corner. Well, yeah, it's, and it's, there's nothing <laughs> wrong with it. I mean, Tim Ferriss is called the, the Tim Ferriss Show. No one telling, is telling him he's uh, selfish. So maybe we can, uh, we can take that for, for you. <laughs> I think he's got a, he 
might just have a few more listeners. Yeah, well, that's true. I don't know. Does popularity make you less selfish? Uh (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you know, it it is interesting. I'm a huge Tim Ferriss fan. I've actually met him in the flesh at least once. Oh, wow. uh, In Austin, Texas at South by Southwest. I think he was coming up an elevator. I was going down an elevator. It was years ago, not that long after his first book, The 4-Hour Workweek, came out. And I sort of waved and the the social media world was much smaller than, and I don't know, he might've vaguely known who I was, but, uh, but he often on, uh, you know, cause his podcasts are like an hour and a half long. He often, you can tell is trying to figure something out for himself. Mm -hmm. For example, he was, he was talking to um, Sebastian Jung, whose newest book is called Freedom. And it's, it's marvelous. It's very, very well, well written. And so Tim was interviewing uh, Sebastian and asking him all about how he, Sebastian, decided to have children, when he decided to have what was that like? Was it like being a dad? And you know that Tim is doing that because he's trying to figure out mm-hmm. if and when he's going to have children with his girlfriend. They weren't even talking about marriage. So, I mean, he's pretty obvious about it. Yeah. And I guess the listeners know and they love it i think i i mean isn't that why we listen i it, it's the candid um questioning and trying to figure it out for yourself and grappling with it for yourself that i think is interesting to listeners i i, I think that there's something there mm. yeah well we'll see what season four uh, holds for us and uh, before we wrap up i just want to ask you uh is there anything i forgot to ask you debbie mm. Well, you forgot to ask me about collaborating with you. Well, <laughs> let's go then. How has it been to collaborate with me? Well, I, I have to say, honestly, it, one reason it's so much more fun to do a podcast than try and go off into a little cave and write a book is that you, it is a collaboration. Mm. So because I've been able to collaborate with you and I find you very provocative, and very smart and you somehow get me even though you're so much younger in years um that it's made it fun and you're also very organized and and doable and Mm -hmm. so i'm just a huge huge believer in collaborating for you know for creative things and i think maybe that's something i sort of knew but i've definitely learned with you and i'm very grateful because it's just been and it wouldn't let's put it this way it would never have happened if i hadn't hooked up with you as a producer and i knew that in the back of my mind i could think of people to interview i could interview them but there never would have been a podcast <laughs> so. i i remember when you first reached out to me and i thought yeah she she's smart to to get help cuz a lot of people who want to start something don't don't get the collaborative support they need and that's usually i mean i speak for myself too it's like there's when there's no um there's no one to reflect or there's no one to bounce the ball with it. It gets really, it can get really challenging and then you can kind of get stuck in your own loops. And I don't think you get very far. Um, and, and I, I just want to thank you. I've, I've the last three years of collaborating with you have been uh, more fun than I can explain. Um, it, it, it doesn't, I particularly love our talks, uh, which is why I'm really happy that we did a a public recording of our conversation because this is pretty much how it goes. You know, we, we kind of just explore topics. I try to provoke prod, but not too much. And we kind of, and I feel like I've learned so much from you and 
Um, every time I get off one of our production calls where we just discuss at length um, ideas and concepts and how to push the podcast forward, I always feel elated, extremely um, energized and creative. And every time I walk into the room where my husband is working, he's like, you just had a call with Debbie, didn't you? I'm like, <laughs> yes. He's like, you and her, you just fit like two peas. And I'm like, yes, it's true. So I, I, it's been a great journey and I'm glad that you're liking it. And I'm just going to say this. I, um, I don't know anything about writing books, but I can still be your mirror and your wall bouncer, uh, idea person whenever you get, you know, interested in writing a book. I'm sure I can still be of some help. We can probably figure something out. I'd like to. Oh, do. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, just, just you talking just now makes me realize that another topic I really do want to pursue is intergenerational collaboration because I think it, it's been so natural mm -hmm. for us and it's so deeply satisfying just like you know getting to know some of the friends of my children um and I think that's if there is if there is possibly one secret to aging well it could be figuring out how to interact and collaborate with those of and of different generations, younger generations, and even for me, older generations. I totally agree. And you know why I think this is true? Because I think that it changes the narrative from when we age, we become useless to when we age, we become valuable because you have so much with, you have a lifetime lived that I don't have. And um, there, this is really important. And I think we are lacking the like our society our communities humanity is is missing something when we forget that our elders have a lot to teach us and it doesn't mean that they're all knowing gods and we should bow to them they also have faults they're also human but there is a real um experiential wisdom that has been accumulated over decades of life and experiences and, uh, and I think we're making a big mistake when we throw all that away. So I think this is why it's also really a, a secret to aging well is because it reminds you that what you have to contribute is, is, is extremely valuable. Well, I, I agree. And um, let's, uh, I can't wait <laughs> for the next season. Me too. But let's say just goodbye just for today. And yeah, then well, well, we'll talk soon. But thank you to everyone who listened. And uh, it was a pleasure having you on and, and being your interviewer today. Uh, it was great <laughs> to, to, to be continued yes. as always. As always. And that's it for this season. Thank you so much for listening and for being part of making the most of this collective pandemic gap year. I look forward to being back here with you in the fall for season four of the Gap Year podcast. I'm Debbie Weil. Till then. Mm -hmm.